welcome to <laughs> the Yannick Wistala podcast. I'm suffering here. <laughs> suffering, gl- gladly suffering, not happily suffering, I think, <clears throat> in terms of getting uh, reacquainted with kind of an old friend. And uh, by virtue of the fact that all of my stuff is packed for the tour. This is the second episode I'm recording in the same day before I leave on tour with Steve Smith. Hopefully by the time this one comes out, I will be somewhere deep into the tour with only a few days left on the East Coast. And hopefully we'll have seen some of you, met some of you. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to this one. I hope it has been a good two weeks so far. And as my main base is packed, it's all in the flight case. You see the detritus sitting here on the couch with me as I film the podcast. It's uh, it's just after 10, kiddo's sleeping, wife is working. It's uh, just me being kind of quiet down here in the studio and knocking out another episode and also getting in a few kind of precious moments of practice before I leave. And if you haven't seen uh, one of the recent videos on my channel where I talked about, on my main YouTube channel where I talked about selling all of my bases, um, I, I kind of chronicled the, few, the very few that I'm keeping. And by the way, all those bases went flying out of here. It was, it, afterwards I was like, mm, were those priced really aggressively? <laughs> was I undercutting the rest of the market? Were they just way too cheap? I don't know. I'm happy they went to homes and they went quick. I think there's, as of today, there was only one left. I know there's only one left because I'm looking at it right in the rack there. The Music Master is the last one to go. Um, so, yeah, that's probably still available on the website if you're, maybe that is overpriced. I don't know. I don't think it's overpriced. I think it's a 50-year-old vintage instrument that has kind of an amazing neck and some strings on it that are over a decade old. Those alone are worth a couple of pennies old strings that have been played in anyway uh enough about that one of the bases i am keeping is another one of the mattisons this henrik linda four string kind of studio studio bass um with the p uh p and the jazz pickups on it see that there in the yeah there you go and then noisy as well again why do all my mattison bases need lots of love in the electronics department they need shielding and because they're prototypes that's why they're not finished instruments i should make that very clear these are actually just prototypes um that were never quite finished and this is like a was a real cnc prototype thing that's a nice little growl kind of a jazz bass vibe i'm playing on the back pickup and i had a little little loop I made in the in the um, helix rack definitely got that bite that kind of jacko thing um, and it's just interesting a playing a four string which I don't do as much of course and playing I'm in passive mode right now not even with the Probably going to get a little noisier. Maybe not. Uh. It is, I've said this many times before, I will continue to say it's one of the best necks I've ever played. I really like the profile of Anders' kind of four-string neck. 
and uh, this is. I mean, I think I think the bass sounds good. I, I I like I like the way it I like the way it feels. I like the way it sounds, but the feel of that of that neck is really a big big winning point and actually in the last episode which is last last week's episode that was actually an episode about eight hours ago i was talking about my warm-up routine and that's actually the first thing I thought about doing with this bass when I picked it up because it's been a while. I made that video on the main channel not that long ago, uh, but I didn't play it that much and I haven't had the opportunity to play it. And it's one of the basses I'm thinking about taking down to Argentina when we go in a few weeks. Wow, that is really only if <laughs> it's only a few weeks ago now and I'm taping this episode early. It's going to be right on. We're going to be redlining it by the time this episode comes out. Um, and this, I think this bass sounds good tuned down. So maybe there's some heavier stuff that I'm going to tune it down a whole step, maybe even a minor third have kind of an open C sharp down here, um, play some heavier things. And it's a, it's a real contender to go down there. I'm, I want to take this and the main Matheson to, uh, to a luthier and get all the electronics worked on for sure. Have a setup, get the intonation dialed in. Um, but my first thought was just, okay, let's get used to the instrument again. I have played it a bunch, but it's been a while. I noticed the action isn't as high on this as I'm used to. That's kind of causing me to scuff up a little bit. And the projection isn't as... I don't feel the response, like the dynamic response as much as I do. So maybe that's definitely... Uh, not maybe, that is definitely a consideration uh, when it comes to the setup and when it comes to getting it ready to, getting it ready to go to the studio. But in just in terms of the string spacing, the feel, it's, man, I really dig it. And it's going to, I'm sure like any of you out there who have ever played any instrument ever, unless you've just played one instrument your entire life, um, if you've ever moved from instrument to instrument, they have such different vibes. You can even move from one P bass to another, one jazz bass to another, one, you know, or, or something you consider to be identical one to the other. And they give you something different in return when you play them. Um, the return on your investment is a little slightly different on all of them. And I think that's a, that's a great thing. I think that's why I kept a couple rather than just having one, because it is going to get me to play a little different. And especially when it's a bass I don't play all the time, I think that's a really nice, um, I was going to say weapon, it's not weapon, it's a really nice tool to have going into the studio because it's going to add that sort of X factor, that, that, that unknown. And when I get into the situation, maybe I'm going to play it even on something that I'm not planning on playing it on. Maybe it just, I, I'm sort of looking forward to the unexpected by having an instrument in the, in the, in the, uh, in the in the kind of in the situation that I'm not used to playing all the time, I think there's a lot to be said for doing that and just sort of pushing yourself. I really want to push myself in the studio. I don't want to go in there and make the same music. That's always the that's always the main focus is to never make the same record twice. Um, I've tried over my life. I don't think I've been a hundred percent successful, but at least the intent with which I go into the studio is always that. Like I do not want to do something I've done before 
because I've already done that. I've already experienced that. I want to do something new. And also I want to push the, the people in my band, in my group, you know, this time it's, it's Cliff Armand and it's Tom Corley. I want to push them to do something they've never done before as well. You know, I want to get Cliff playing some different tunings maybe, or we, we try some different things with the cymbal. We process the drums a little bit and maybe we give him something in the, in, in the monitors, in the feedback with some processing in it, which is going to sort of inform the way he plays uh, a little differently. Just all things like that I'm really kind of conscious of and am sort of prepping my engineer, Juan Pablo Alcarro. I'm kind of prepping him with little nuggets of information like, hey, just be ready because I want to do some weird shit. You know, I might want to throw a distortion pedal on the grand piano, for instance. You know, I might, I might want to wash out a bunch of stuff in reverb for certain sections of certain songs just to see how it affects our performance. And yeah, part of that is grabbing a bass that I perhaps haven't played in a while. And we're finding things like that where, where my barring isn't working so well. Because I don't want to go in on a take and it go wrong and just did not make sound you know i'd like to be really comfortable with it but definitely the action this action is so low what happened is that what happens when you don't play it for a while it just sits there or maybe this was always like the genty setup the super light detuned and uh kind of kind of spongy thing for playing with a pick and really getting the oh you know what i think that's what i was doing with it i wanted to try and get that clang Maybe, maybe I was going about it the com- completely the wrong way, but I'd watched a few things of different sort of, you know, prog guys, like Adam Nolly Get Good specifically, and just kind of what I thought was part of the, his sound was getting a clang of the string off the frets you, when you're playing with a pick and when you're really leaning into it and digging in hard. So I do think for the first time in a decade or something, I actually lowered the action on a bass, on this bass, to try and get that clang when I was going for that sound, trying to make those sort of genty uh, demos when I was sort of bored throughout the pandemic. And I'm actually taking some of those demos and uh, sort of adapting them for this trio. So I, I want to do some kind of heavy stuff on this album. It's going to be quite an eclectic uh, bunch of material and quite the journey from start to finish. I'm definitely thinking long form with this. It's definitely an album. Uh, it's not like a double or triple album that I'm not trying to do the electric bass ver- version of Wagner's Ring Cycle or something like that, but I definitely want some variation in there. I really I wanted to take this bass to the gig. I had a gig uh, last week with Bob Reynolds, and I meant I wanted I meant to take it, and I totally spaced and forgot because oh, there's an issue. That action is really low. That's bad. Now, now I re- I'm starting to be <laughs> reacquainted, and it's only wow. It's only when I have the root note in there as well. Root note on its own, melody note fine on its own, but the two together, no bueno. Muy mal. (laughs) 
Uh, but it's, it really shows how bullshit low action is. Because you just fly around needlessly for no reason. Well, maybe, maybe not everyone does. I feel like I am right now. It's like um, the big shift when when automatic gearboxes got so good that it was it's almost impossible to to be a unless you're like a professional race car driver it's almost impossible to drive better in manual than in automatic these days because gearboxes and technology got so good but back in the day when automatic gearboxes first came in and they were an absolute piece of shit and they were only like some sometimes only two speeds maybe three rarely four but i'm talking like some couple of deck two three decades ago or something um they were total garbage you could still you still kind of had us if you had a skill set of driving stick or manual as we call it in the uk um you know you could really outperform the, the automatic gearboxes now you can have a manual and an automatic in the same car and i think i do actually even on my shitty car just because it's modern it's not that shitty but it's modern and it's not anything special I think it has a manual option and I drive it in automatic because I live in LA. Traffic is horrific. And I guess I got lazy with driving. I feel like that is like high action versus low action. The low action is just like, just sort of plays itself. You don't get so much response from the instrument. There's no like, there's no pushback. There's no feel. That's what it is. There's no, not no feel, but there's, it feels like there's less feel. It's like when you drive a really well-tuned car, shit, not, I mean, I've, I've driven a couple of really nice cars. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. The few times I've driven with super nice cars, like an Aston Martin or something, the first thing I noticed was how well it stuck to the road. Like you throw it into a corner and it's like, oh, you complete confidence and amazing feedback through the steering column uh, to, to let you know what's up. I kind of feel like, that with kind of feel like that with the low versus the high action maybe that's a shitty analogy i don't know i just started thinking about that in that way right now uh because it's so freaking easy to play I think I also have uh, blue. What are those strings called? Shit, I don't know. I play DR strings, and I don't know what they're called because I never play them. The 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 blues, something pure blues or something like that, and they're nickel coated, which I never ever use because they. Man, in fact, what the hell am I doing practicing on nickel coated strings the night before I leave on tour? That's maybe not a great idea. I don't use nickel coated strings because they destroy the calluses on my right hand. They soften them out, but with a pick. It was the, the those pure blues were like kind of a nice choice. I happened to have some when I signed with DR in the first place. They sent me a bunch of like all of their stuff to try out. You know, the legends, the the flats are awesome. Of course, I use the high beams. Those are my like round wound steel uh, string of choice. But they did send me a couple of those blue boxes of uh, of nickel nickel plated strings, and uh, I think they're kind of cool for the for that sound for that bright kind of really overdriven proggy genty kind of thing um, but I'm going to regret this tomorrow <laughs> and 
And it's interesting, like the the. You can still. still play pretty stuff you know even like this isn't even um this isn't even a two octave uh, fingerboard how many frets are on here 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 is 21 frets not 24 um and i'm used to that now the the matson with 28 even that's a little extreme i don't really use that e flat and that e up top i could do with 26 just with a high d that would be fine uh, as my top note but even with a kind of a standard four string, 21 frets, you can make some quite beautiful melodic sounds. Guizdala, he just plays the high C and the five stringers, all that extended range. You can't really do any of that shit he does. Actually, no, you can do it. You might have to switch keys if you really want to get it high in the high in the register of the instrument to make it sing a little more, but you can do it. Look at Castlake Hadrian. He plays five string, yes, but with a with a with a low B. So he doesn't have that C string. There are plenty of people who do it and 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 can make it sound beautiful. So always nice to be reminded of that and to remind you guys and girls of the basic guys and girls. Who am I kidding? I looked at my YouTube stats the other day, and no offense to any women women listening at all. This beautiful thing. I welcome everyone, but the YouTube stats were pretty. Uh, uh, definitive they were like yes 99.7% male audience okay there you go um, that was just <laughs> I saw that the other day when I was looking at my YouTube studio yeah, yeah it's very strange because it, it, on one hand it's so easy to fly around and play certain things on the other i'm getting sort of nothing out of certain areas of the range that i normally produce sort of kind of nice uh, uh deep um and, and sort of meaningful tones to my ear and it's really hard to do that with low action because there's just no space to go that like you can't squeeze the note it's very strange like especially fourth fret middle string set like a and G, uh, d string two three four five five you know two three four five six maybe still do all the stuff I'll never forget going to see my my mentor the guy that got me into all this in the first place Lawrence Cottle and um, never forget going to see him one night 
with, with his band, some jazz club in London, playing new jazz and fusion and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm expecting him to pull the wall, the five-string wall out of the bag and plug it into the SWR amp, and off they go. And I hear, oh, fuck. And uh, he's poured his, the, the bass out of the bag, and he's been on a session in the day in the studio, and he's got a Fender bass in there that he had not planned to play on his own music at all. And he's like, oh, shit, I got, but really bought the wrong bass. Like a really legit mistake. I saw the look on his face and he's like, ah, oh, damn it. And uh, you got to recalibrate all of those tunes. And he's an amazing musician, so not that difficult at all. But still, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge, especially that music he was playing then and how kind of how much it relied on the, a lot of those bass lines relied on the range um, of the five string. And I've always thought, you know, like, I'm actually kind of looking forward to the day that I do that, like for real. And I go to the baked potato, maybe not like go on the road and get to Europe and be like, oh shit, um, I've really bought the wrong bass. You know, imagine if I put the music master in there or something and I was playing my own gig with all this like melodic call stuff. That might not work so well, but yeah, just a gig in town. I'm kind of looking forward to the day where I, you know, honestly make a mistake and be like, oh shit, I really do have the wrong bass. I'm not going home. I'm just going to do it. Um, you know, it's been, it's been like that a couple of times when, when instruments have got lost on the road. That does happen from time to time. Maybe one in every 40, one in every 50 flights, something will get, get, go missing. And I remember the last time that happened was in Madrid, like 2020, pandemic central. It was just all crumbling. The world was just falling apart. And we were on the very last legs of our uh, ability to keep the tour afloat. And the bags got lost, and that was it. And uh, the, you know, I checked my bass wherever I go, so no instrument. And uh, uh, my buddy Adrien Bartol Molina, great bass player in uh, in Madrid, um, came up huge with I, I think it was a P bass. I've got some video of that somewhere. That should be a good good track for the Clips channel. Um, came up huge and uh, bought me a, a Fender bass, and I did the did the the, the ba- my bass showed up. I think either right before the downbeat or after a couple of songs or something, it showed up at the club. Um, but by that time, I'd already sound checked with Adrian's bass. And I played like half the gig on it. It was really fun, you know, playing tunes I've only ever played on a five-string with a high C with Bob and playing, playing them all on a Fender was really cool. So I'm kind of looking forward to the day where that legit happens to me in town. never done that one before so that's a good one to maybe add to that um to uh to, to bullet. <laughs> to get that really specific articulation bullet. could be a happy accident that would have happened on any bass I was playing but maybe that's actually something specific to this instrument 
and something I maybe wouldn't have got to unless I was playing it. So that's cool. That's something that can go in very much in the warm-up or the practice routine. Let's go different key. It's also interesting where I'm targeting my fingers on the left hand to like how I'm so used to having to push a significant amount further down to produce a sound. And I'm sort of pushing through the fingerboard now a little too much. It's like I'm a little too aggressive when the, when the action is, uh, is this low. It's not much of an adjustment and it's one I can make pretty much instantly, but that's a, that's a, a, an on observation right off the bat. Ah. Basically, all roads lead to raise the bloody action and stop being a, a wuss. Kind of wish I had time before I left to do it. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Ah, man. That's difficult, but more difficult on... Um, on four string. Um, uh, um, wow. There it is. Guess I have to change my my jumps there, my position shifts. And I do know where the harmonics are. Yeah. Yeah, and what often happens is I don't make the loop loud enough. I was trying to be all quiet and <laughs> it was right when I was starting to record or just before I hit, hit record, I'm trying to be all quiet and then it gets to it. And I'm like, oh shit, I can't actually hear the thing I want to play along to. So maybe we'll put that one to bed, so to speak, for this episode. Um, and I'm always curious to see how much of the stuff I normally work on will work immediately on an unfamiliar instrument, especially a four-string, something that I'm really not used to playing that much. Um, oh, I can't get up to the top in that key. Okay, not bad. Yeah. Actually, first exercise in chordal harmony, volume one, major scale intense. Still going back to it after all these years. And uh, 
suspension uh, resolution. Ah. Ah, come on. Also weird, like the... It feels more natural to put it over on my right leg and play more conventional, if you like. If anyone's watching here on YouTube rather than just listening. Maybe it even looks a little more conventional like that as well. Not that I give a shit about what it looks like. But immediately, you can't really see because the bloody mic stands in the way, but hang on. Immediately, my right wrist is not in a good position. I wouldn't want to play like this for more than a minute or so. Definitely has that. Has that. Maybe it's time to change the loop in the looper. Ugh. Not a fan of the looper with the HX products. Hate to say it because I love everything else they well, most of everything else they do, but the looper, not great. And there's already that's a shitty loop right away. that was but I was just kind of seeing if I could in that tempo get up to the um, what is that Uh, yes oh shit yeah there's no way I was was way over estimating my facility completely impossible I was trying to get to um, I guess that would have been 16th note triplets uh, two three four dot 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 there's eighth notes and dot 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 dot
where you have an idea that you can move around and it, it just kind of creates not so much a melodic tension, but a, 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 a voluminous, and I don't mean, you know, how loud or quiet it is, but a voluminous tension with this wall of sound. Anyway, I can't play 30-second note triplets at that tempo, especially with that shape. That's... Um too much about those 30 second note triplets damn it um but yeah okay i am going to regret playing on the nickel strings come tomorrow and um, because i'm going to spend the whole day traveling uh well not the whole day i don't actually leave until lunchtime which means <clears throat> going to new york from la i don't get there until uh, almost midnight I'm to jersey and then i gotta go into the city um, to the apartment and hang out for the night and then we hit the day after tomorrow our first gig uh, which will be long since done by the time I publish this and um, hopefully we're all in good spirits it looks like there's a lot of rain in the schedule there's a shitload of driving so you know I haven't been on a van tour in a really long time. Not like this. We had like a sprinter on the West Coast, which was a little bigger, a little more luxurious. But the actual, the 12 passenger van thing, haven't done it in a really long time. So let's see. By the time this comes out, I might have to <laughs> upload an emergency episode from the phone to update on, on, uh, how good or how bad it is. I don't know. Let's see. At least a tour recap in, uh, in next week's episode will hopefully be somewhat interesting and full of uh, musical examples and stories and, and all the rest of it. And let's see how the chops held up. Let's see how the family held up at home. I know it's going to be um, brutal for Chelsea on a, a home with a kiddo. Speaking of which, I'm going to go do a little check-in right now because she's sleeping. <laughs> check that out. <laughs> so cute. She's not feeling so great. So I'm going to go check in on her and uh, bid you folks, guys and and girls, or maybe it's guys and girl, I don't know, uh, of the base world. Have a good one. Thanks for checking it out this far. And uh, if you're uh, if you're still on the East Coast and this, this episode is coming out before the end of the tour, check my website, yannickwasdala.com, for tour dates. And the next thing on the hit list is Argentina. Can't wait to see you guys in Buenos Aires. We play August 5th. I'll have uh, full details of that coming very soon. Tour dates will be posted at the website as soon as they are ready. And I can't wait to be making this record. Pre-sales happening now. It's linked below in the description of this video. And uh, that's it. See you all next time. Mm -hmm.